If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. I think I'm finally ready to tell the whole story, fill in the gaps and bring this series to a conclusion and what a pleasure it has been. And what heartbreak do we have before us? When greeted by Unitology in Dead Space One, their beliefs and practices, their sermons and propaganda, I admit I hated them. Digging deeper into the origins of Unitology, I learned that their founder, Michael Altman, was not a believer. Altman was a scientist who was present at the Chicxulub Crater in Mexico in the 23rd century when the black marker was discovered. Altman was quite resistant to the effects of the black marker, whereas it drove all others around him to insanity. Altman found evidence of the black marker's existence and its effects on those around it. He attempted to blow the whistle on it, much to the ire of a corporation called Dredger Corps, which worked in conjunction with the EarthGov military to study and take custody of the black marker. Altman was conscripted into helping them retrieve the black marker from the underwater depths of the crater. This took many attempts to accomplish, and several of Altman's co-pilots died during the attempt, or tried to kill Altman. When it was finally retrieved and brought onto a water-based station, staff on the facility rapidly descended into madness. Many of them believed the marker to be the salvation of mankind and that Altman is the marker's prophet. Seeing the escalations in violence and fervor, Altman escaped and made the public aware of the existence of this marker and what it was doing to people, though he wasn't free for long. He was taken back to the crater and was witness to the necromorph outbreak that occurred on the water-based station. Altman knew of a way to stop the marker, but before he could do so, he was captured by EarthGov military officials who decided to use Altman as the figurehead to a new religion, Unitology. These founders of Unitology killed Altman. They used his name and reputation, turned him into a martyr, even altered his appearance in the imagery of him, and spit on his grave. Altman was not a prophet. He was a victim. Going through the first two games, I didn't understand how the followers of Unitology held the beliefs that they did. How could they be so ignorant to the pain and trauma they were causing? They were driving a knife into the heart of humanity with their obsession with these markers in an event called Convergence. How could they hold these beliefs after the events of Aegis Seven? After the Titan Station incident, where was EarthGov in all this? Why weren't they telling people the truth? How could this be allowed to happen? Then, the opening of Dead Space 3 played out and I understood. Planet cracking began because we ruined our oceans, we depleted our resources, we grew too large, and mankind was facing extinction. Through all our journeys into deep space, to new and unknown planets, Never had other life been discovered. Mankind was alone, and that loneliness in the universe was palpable. Earth was an outlier, nothing more. Then, after Aegis Seven and the decline in the planet-cracking industry, mankind had to face that their future was dependent on capital and the economy. After the Titan Station, faith in EarthGov declined, and Unitology stepped in to usurp as much power as possible. You see, Unitology brings a message of hope to mankind, even if it's a lie known by the leadership of the religion that doesn't make it true in the hearts of those who follow. I understand why they're so fervorous in their faith. It means they have a future. It means mankind 
isn't doomed. There's faith in a better tomorrow. Something brighter than the doomed reality they live in now. I understand, I do. I hope you do too. Hold no ill will towards the followers of the faith. They're desperate people living in a dying system. Responsibility for the actions of Unitology lie with the villains at the top who use them as tools to achieve their own misguided goals. We begin Dead Space 3 on a planet called Tau Volantis, nearly 200 years before the events of the series and 100 years after the events of Michael Altman and the Black Marker. Tau Volantis is a harsh, iced-over planet, but what are we doing here? Well, back on Earth, conflict is in progress. Secessionists are at war with the sovereign colonies. Even 200 years ago, resources had dwindled and political upheaval was taking place as a result of this. Political systems created by the sovereign colonies are blamed for this mismanagement of mankind's future. So, the people turned against the rule of the sovereign colonies and war broke out. The sovereign colonies sent several military, research, and archaeological ships to Tau Volantis. In an all-in attempt to study the planet, scientists had discovered that the markers did not create energy, but transmitted it from another source that was broadcasting it out. This source had been traced back to Tau Volantis, and the sovereign colonies believed they could harvest energy and resources that would restore their power and stabilize the resource crisis on Earth. What happened as they dug into the icy caverns of the planet were outbreaks of madness and violence. The deeper they went, the worse it became. They found necromorphic monsters buried within the ice and exhumed them for study. They found that everything encased in ice on the planet hadn't done so over time. Instead, it was a mass ice age event that took place in less than a day. An alien species, a grand civilization once lived there. Humanity wasn't actually alone in the universe. They too experimented with the markers. What they discovered about the markers about the truth of what we call convergence drove them to do something which mankind might find unthinkable. This alien civilization created a monolithic machine to freeze the planet. They did not flee extinction. They did not give in to the allure of the markers. They fought it. They stopped convergence and constructed warnings to anyone who would heed them. Warnings of the truth what the markers were trying to do, trying to create. So, what were the markers trying to do? What did they want to create? Well, more on that later. I don't want to spoil it too soon. When a sovereign colony's doctor named Earl Serrano discovered this while on Tau Volantis, it was too late. Humans on and around the planet had been plagued by a message. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn the machine off the machine that was preventing convergence. Dr. Serrano discovered how to instead complete the machine, finally end the threat of convergence, but as I said, it was too late. Two men named Tim and Sam are retrieving a codex of some sort from a shipwreck. Under orders by Dr. Serrano, Tim and Sam try to fight their way to the doctor, but are stopped by a man named General Mahad, who murders Tim and erases the Codex. The Sovereign Colony's leadership of Earth, upon learning of the outbreak, issued a Scenario 5 order. All escape vehicles and ships were disabled. 
Then all directed personnel were to kill themselves. All who rebelled would be executed by proper staff, and those remaining were to destroy all records of their work before also committing suicide. The Sovereign Colonies Council knew that this would forfeit their ability to fight their war on Earth. This was an acceptable loss to them. What General Mahat erased on that codex was a key to completing the alien species machine and stopping the markers to end the existence of the necromorphs before they could spread farther. It could have all been put to rest 200 years ago, but it wasn't to be. EarthGov usurped power, and the rest is history. For some time after the events at the Titan space station, Isaac and Ellie remained together. They hid from EarthGov and Unitology in a space colony on Earth's moon. Ellie could not let go of what happened on Titan. She couldn't ignore the markers that were appearing on stations and colonies. EarthGov was still intent on learning to use them to harvest their energy emissions, though they still didn't understand how this energy was made or how to use it. They continued to create and study markers, and this use of them is blasphemous to Unitology. By now, three years after the destruction of the Titan Station in Dead Space 2, Unitology has grown into a beast. The general population is either neutral or aligned with Unitology after all. They preach a message of hope and unity. EarthGov has fallen out of favor and Unitology has seized control and political power. A shift in power is taking place when we rejoin Isaac on the Earth's moon. While Ellie could not forget about the markers and chose to fight against them, Isaac gave up and fell into despair. Ellie left him to pursue the fight. Isaac stayed on the moon and absorbed himself into his trauma. Until this son of a gun bang banged into the room, John Carver, accompanied by his superior, Robert Norton. They convince Isaac to join them. They tell him they're on a mission related to the markers that Isaac's ex-girlfriend, Ellie, is involved and in danger, and if Isaac wants to help save her, well, then he must accompany them. When Ellie's name enters the conversation, when he's made aware that she's in danger, of course, Isaac joins them. It's manipulative and it dances around the truth, but it works. Carver and Isaac have to fight through parts of the city with militant fanatics of unitology up their keister, under the order of a man named Jacob Danik. Danik knows of Isaac, he knows that he can destroy markers. He knows that Isaac can interfere with their desire to achieve convergence. He knows that EarthGov wants him to do just that. Danik wants Isaac dead. As Isaac and Carver race through the chaos of the colony, Unitology propaganda featuring Danik is found all around the city. It's around every corner, preaching that message of unity and belief in the power of the markers. The duo is actually confronted by Danik himself, who makes Isaac watch as he destroys a marker containment field in the heart of the colony, intent on freeing the marker from EarthGov control. A necromorph outbreak begins because of this and it is immediate. Danik is fully aware of what will happen here. He wants it to happen. It's a part of the rebirth Unitology preaches. Death is just a step along the way. Madness, murder, and mayhem ensues as innocent people are killed in the street and people churn on each other. Isaac and Carver flee. Nothing can be done to stop what has begun here. They reach an EarthGov ship and hightail it out. 
jumping through space to a faraway place. Tau Volantis. Their jump site is littered with old ship sections and junk, relics from the past which have been here for some 200 years now, remnants from the Scenario 5 command. No one ever came back to salvage. No one knew it was there after the sovereign colonies were dismantled. Isaac is reunited with Ellie, discovering that in the time they've been apart, she's already moved on from him and is in a relationship with Robert Norton. Much interpersonal drama ensues as this small team works together to understand and prevent a marker apocalypse. A good time to argue over a girl, I'm sure. Carver keeps Isaac on track, though, as they work through the wreckage of the once functional space stations. They find that the ships are still crawling with necromorphs and that the crews of these ships fell into madness just as we've seen happen many times over throughout the series. One person in particular, in Admiral Marjorie Graves, had become obsessed with that familiar message. Turn it off. Graves wrote in marker language on a wall, directions on how to make something, something, to turn it off. And Isaac interprets this to mean a way to stop or control the markers, this clue, this impression, is what propels the team forward into finding a way to the planet, this marker homeworld, as they put it. It's a dangerous process, but they find an ancient ship that can carry them down. They lose some of their team during the descent when the ship tears apart, but this loss is not mourned. A single human life means nothing against this threat and no time can be wasted. Somehow, somehow, Danik arrives right on top of them when they are planet-side. Militant unitologist fanatics hunt them throughout the old Sovereign Colony's outpost, but how did they get here? Someone has been concealing truths, Norton. Well, a lot of men on this trip have been concealing truths, but this one is pretty insidious. Isaac's romantic rival, Norton, sold them out with the promise that Danik would only take Isaac, that Danik would give him a ship, and once Isaac was taken care of, Norton and his remaining crew would fly off into the sunset, away from this cursed planet. But something we often say during Twitch streams is, you don't make deals with the devil. Norton tried to cut a deal, and the devil showed up with heavy weaponry to wipe them all out. Though, for now they all escape, Isaac and Norton come to blows, with Norton drawing a weapon on him, intent on murder. Isaac puts him down, and now only four of the team remains. Within the labs of this massive complex, they find a dissected alien being called Rosetta. Rosetta is one of that brave civilization that froze the planet. She, or it, was used by Dr. Serrano's team to create the original Codex. To complete the machine, a pure form of alien DNA was needed for the key, the Codex. To save Rosetta, during the Scenario 5 event 200 years prior, she was dissected into plates and hidden away. Once put back together, the truth of the machine and what the alien race was trying to do is revealed to Isaac. The markers are trying to get them to turn it off, turn off the alien machine, to let the Convergence event resume. Should this happen, should the frozen necromorphs of the planet be freed, 
They'll all be drawn in together up to the moon. Wait, the moon? Yes. The moon of Tau Volantis is a mass of necromorph flesh drawn into one massive body called a brethren moon. This is the convergence that unitologists unknowingly advocate. This is unity. This is oneness. This is rebirth. And the alien species that stopped it just barely did so in time. The Brethren Moon was almost complete. Complete the machine, and it will destroy the moon. Turn it off, and doom will come. It's a source of the virus. It's linked to a network of other Brethren Moons, all slumbering. But if it wakes up, then they'll all wake up. They will search for food sources from other living beings, and they will be unstoppable. It must be stopped. After a brutal fight to reach this machine, they decipher how to operate it. They create a new codex. They lose another of their team along the way, leaving only Carver, Isaac, and Ellie at the end. But Danik cannot let them go. He won't see reason, and he doesn't listen when Isaac tells him explicitly what will happen if he shuts off the machine. Using Ellie as leverage against them, Danik demands the Codex. But Isaac is unwilling. He sees this place as the death place of them all. Ellie's life is not worth the sacrifice of Earth and her colonies. Instead, it is Carver who concedes, telling Isaac that there's more than one kind of right. Isaac is given the Codex, the machine is turned off, and convergence resumes, though the fight is not lost. At the price of more pain, more suffering, for their own lives, they got Ellie. They saved her. Perhaps that was enough to make what they were about to do worthwhile. Carver and Isaac use alien technology and the markers themselves to engage with the mind of the awakening Brothered Moon to retrieve the Codex and reactivate the machine, to deny convergence, to kill the Brethren Moon. It is a complete suicide mission, but this sacrifice is worth it. Carver has lost everything. He's riddled with memories of his lost family. His only purpose has been to stop Danik and complete this mission. He wants this. For Isaac, it's much the same. For all their arguing and disagreeing, the two are very similar people. This is what they want. This is the end they're willing to face, and they do it. Somehow. They get back the Codex, reactivate the machine, and destroy this ungodly thing. Somehow. Somehow. They did it. It all mattered. They made a difference. But wait, I'm... I'm sorry. That's not the end. Carver gave Danik the Codex in exchange for Ellie. Danik turned off the machine. Convergence began. These moons are a network, connected. And when the Tau Volantis moon awoke, though it was only for a short time, it spoke to its brethren. It told them of a food source, humanity. Isaac and Carver survived the sundering of Tal Volantis, but they understood that the Brethren Moons were awakening 
and would be searching for Earth, for food. Earth, exactly where Isaac told Ellie to flee. They fight back through the complex once more. In search of a ship to commandeer from the unitology forces Danik brought to the planet, and eventually they do make it off Tau Volantis, they race back to Earth to warn them of the coming threat, but, well, they're too late. The Brethren Moons knew exactly where to go. When we depart from Isaac and Carver for presumably the last time, Earth is being descended upon by the Brethren Moons.